Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Thank you, Lord, to be a part of the kingdom in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You can be seated for a few minutes. My assignment tonight is simply this. Worship is a choice. Say that with me. Worship is a choice. In the book of Acts, you will find the narrative beginning in chapter 21. You will begin to find that the apostle Paul is feeling a calling to go back to Jerusalem. He was not a very popular person among the Hebrews at this time in Jerusalem. The Pharisees and the Sadducees did not like him. But when Paul gets to Jerusalem, he reports to James and the elders at Jerusalem about how God has been sending revival among the Gentiles. And they reported to him how he's hated among the Jews. Wouldn't that be a great testimony service? That you show up, you say, man, God is pouring out his spirit in the Gentiles. Let me tell you what the Lord is doing. Oh, by the way, our testimony to you is that they want to kill you. The Jewish mob turned up, a mob that was people against Paul, and they were seeking to attack him, to kill him, but they were stopped by the, the Roman soldiers, the, the tribune, and, and Paul was put in barracks until he could find out what was really going on. And so, so Paul uses the moment to address the Hebrews in, a he, in the Hebrew language and explains to them uh, who he was and how he was educated under the, the, the tutelage of Gamaliel, how that he was a zealous uh, Hebrew and searched for God with all of his heart. He shares his Damascus Road experience and how that he was on his way to destroy those who were of the way and, and, and how that he was so struck by the light that shone upon him and then he encountered a preacher by the name of Ananias who explained the way more perfectly to him and Paul was baptized and then he said, and God sent me to the Gentiles. That made the mob so angry that they wanted to kill him. They wanted to string him up and hang him on the wall. But uh, Paul declared his Roman citizenship, and so that citizenship carries with it uh, certain privileges and responsibilities. And the people in the crowd had listened intently up to this point, and they broke out in shouting, saying, Kill him! He is an, he is an insect, as it were. Stomp on him! Crush him out! Amen. They shook his took their fist at Paul. They filled the air with curses. And when the captain intervened and ordered Paul to be taken back into the barracks, by now the captain was thoroughly exasperated. 
Amen. By all that was going on, he interrogated Paul. He, he, he put him under the gun, as it were, to torture him. And he said, is it legal to torture a Roman citizen without a fair trial? And so they had to stop. They stopped this, this uh, torture. They stopped the in, interrogation. And the captain said, did you hear what I heard? He is a Roman citizen. And, and, and so the captain says, in essence, uh, I paid big money to be a Roman citizen. How much did it cost you? And Paul said, nothing. I was born a Roman citizen. I was a citizen from birth. That put a stop to the interrogation. Amen. And the fear of God fell upon the captain, and he, and he didn't know exactly what to do. But when you study the story out a little bit further, all these Hebrews got together, some 40 of them that said, we are not going to eat or drink until Paul is dead. We're not going to eat or drink until... And so they plotted to, to take Paul. They plotted to assassinate Paul. And it just so happened that Paul's nephew, his sister's son, heard what was going on. And he went and told the, the captain of what it was happening. And so they took some 200 uh, soldiers and got them and moved them to a place where Governor of Felix was. And there he is going to be presented before the governor. That lays the foundation. So you've got chaos. You've got people wanting to kill him. You've got persecution. And now we find that he is at a place where he's going to stand before Felix. But before he stands before Felix... God appears to Paul in, in chapter 23 in verse 11 and says, it's going to be all right. They're plotting to kill you, but it's going to be all right. Everything is going to turn out for the best. You've been a good witness for me here in Jerusalem. I am going to make you a good witness before Rome. Wow. Let's pick up our scriptures. Pick up your Bible with me to Acts chapter 24. And verse number one, and this is now they're, they're moving him to Felix, where Felix the governor is, taking him out of Jerusalem. And the Bible said, and after five days, Ananias the high priest, the same ones that wanted to kill him, descended with the elders and with a certain orator named Tertullus who informed the governor against Paul. And when he was called forth, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, Now, I want to just simply talk in my best lawyer voice. I want to talk in a, in a way that I see this dude talking before the governor. Seeing that by thee, we enjoy such great quietness. And that very worthy deeds are done unto this nation by thy providence. We accept it always with all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness, notwithstanding that I be not further tedious unto thee. I pray thee that thou wouldest hear us of thy clemency a few words. A few words? For we have found this man a pestilent fellow. We found him a pestilent fellow. Everybody say a pestilent fellow. 
He's a, a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world and, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes who also have gone about to profane the temple whom we took and would have judged according to our law. But the chief captain, Lysus, came unto us and with great violence took him out of our hands. Not true. Matter of fact, half of the stuff he's saying is not even true. Take him out of our hands. Amen. Commanding his accusers to come unto thee by examining of whom thyself mayest take knowledge of all these things whereof we accuse him. And the Jews also assented saying that these things were so. First of all, they didn't have quietness because they rioted. They didn't have peace because they had murders going on. If you read your history, it was a time of, of turmoil and chaos between the Roman leader uh, of Felix and, and all of the Jews. It was not as good as he was saying it. But he's trying to get on his good side. And now the Jews says, we agree all this is true. Can I tell you, the devil is the accuser of the brother. The devil wants you to be told, tell you how bad you are, how awful you are, how imperfect you are, how you never get it right, and that you're a pest. You're a nuisance. You're a bother. You're an insurrectionist. You stir up things everywhere you go. Hmm. Then Paul, verse 10, after that the governor had beckoned unto him to speak, answered, for as much as I know that thou hast been of many years a judge unto this nation, I do more cheerfully answer for myself, because that thou mayest understand that there are yet but twelve days since I went up to Jerusalem for to worship. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with any man, neither raising up the people, neither in the synagogues nor the city. Neither can they prove these things whereof they now accuse me. But, but this I confess unto thee. But this I confess unto thee. After the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and the prophets. You can accuse me a lot of stuff, amen, that I'm not guilty of. But if you accuse me of being a worshiper, that's different. If you accuse me of being a worshiper, that is uh, uh, not like the, the norm of this world. That is not like the religions of this world. If you accuse me of being a worshiper, that's not like a lot of denominations of this world. Then I would tell you I'm guilty. If there's one thing I'm guilty of, and that's worshiping God by the choice that I choose to praise my king. Paul, you're a plague. Paul, you're a pandemic. Everywhere you go, your belief is contagious. He worshiped, amen, and they didn't like it because it messed up his tradition. He worshiped, and he, they didn't like it because uh, the religious folks worshiped differently. He was a pest everywhere, amen. The Bible said after the way Paul declared, after the way they call heresy, that's how I worship the God of my fathers. Can I tell you today that the apostolic movement, the Pentecostal movement in its inception had some crazy worship. Ha! Huh. 
I've been to places where they had a guitar and accordion and tore the place apart, worshiping and praising God. I've been to places where all you had was a tambourine and a guitar and tear the place apart, worshiping God. I've been to places where they played a song. And it sounded just about like that. Thank you for the effects sound, folks. Been to places where you had all kinds of music. Went to one church that had five guitars, and some of them weren't playing the same thing, but they were worshiping and praising God. I've seen people that couldn't carry a tune in the bucket stand up and begin to sing, amen, the songs of Zion and the Holy Ghost come down. Oh, it was the apostolic movement that, that run the aisle and shouted and hooped and hollered. It was the apostolic movement that got songs that we, we, we took them to the next level. Yeah, and now the world has gotten a hold of this kind of worship and they want it for themselves. But I want to tell you, there's a difference in worship. When you choose to worship according to the word of God, according to the king of kings, worship is a choice. He said, after the way they call heresy, that's a word that has a like a, a little ooh, heresy. Her, you heretic. You heretic. You 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 got you're preaching heresy. I want to tell you, if you preach this word, you're gonna find people that will call you a heretic because it disagrees with their theology. Amen. And Paul is saying, after the way they call heresy. You know what heresy means? The primary meaning is of that which is a choice. A choice. So that heresy is, strictly speaking, the choice of an opinion contrary to that usually received. So if my worship is different than these Pharisees, and my worship is different than these Sadducees, then I've come to tell you, after the way they called heresy, yes, that's the way I worship my God because I choose to worship him differently than they do. I choose to worship him differently than they have chosen to worship him. Amen. I want to tell you today, worship is a choice. Worship is a decision to say, I don't care what anybody else says about it. I don't care what anybody else thinks about it. I was on the road to Damascus. I have been put to, to the prison. I have been through this and I have been through that. And if you want to poke fun at the way that I worship, then go right ahead. But it's my choice. I choose. I choose to dance. I choose to run. I choose to be loud. I choose to praise God. Come on and praise him in this place. What Paul is saying is what they call strange, that's the way I worship. How many remember what, what they used to say about Pentecostals? Called us holy rollers. Anybody remember that statement? Oh, you're a bunch of holy rollers. Oh, but when we become dignified, we don't roll holy anymore. Amen. I thank God for what I have seen in this church and what I've experienced in my life. The times that I've danced for two straight hours as a child 
worshiping and praising God. I was not trying to impress anybody because I didn't know how to impress anybody. But there was something in my young heart that said, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to give you all the glory. They could call it crazy and they could call it out of order. But I've been to some places in the spirit that I haven't been any other way. But simply worshiping God with all of my heart and worship him because I choose to worship him. Worshiping and praising him because I choose to do it. He's saying what they call wrong. I call worship. <laughs> what they call wrong, I call worship. But we've become poised. We've become polished. We're online. Better be careful how you worship. Somebody might put it on church milk. I don't care what church milk says. I don't care what other sites that criticize and talk about. I come to worship my God, and I choose to worship the way that I worship. If my jumping offends the Pharisees, so be it. Amen. If my shouting offends the Sadducees, so be it. If my belief in who God is with all of my heart hurts somebody else's opinion, then I will just simply say this. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of being a praiser. I'm guilty of being a shouter. I'm guilty of worshiping the Lord. When you begin to study the Old Testament, you will find that there are several words translated for praise. Matter of fact, there are seven different Hebrew words that are translated for the word in English, praise and worship, thanks, and several others. But there are seven primary Hebrew words. Just as there are seven notes on the scale, so true worship can create a symphony by putting these together and marching them together as it is played out into an orchestra. Amen. Each one of these words describe different ways that worship was taking place in the Old Testament. Amen. But they demonstrate how we can step into God's presence. The first word I want to bring to you is the word Barak. Barak means to kneel in adoration, to praise God and to bless God. It implies an abundant praise, an altogether praise. It implies a con congratulation praise. It is a humble praise. When a Hebrew would be Barak before the Lord, they would kneel down before him, amen, to praise his greatness, to praise his strength. It means that they would humble themselves in surrender and bow themselves before the Lord as a sign of worship. Can I tell you, sometimes the biggest worship you can ever give is on your knees. It is on your knees before the Lord, bowing before him. And if somebody doesn't like that, then I'm going to praise him this way anyway because I choose to bow before him. I choose to humble myself. I choose to say you are great and you are mighty and there is none like unto you. You are holy and I am not. You are wonderful O God of heaven. You are the Lord of glory and I submit myself to you. I humble myself before you. Hallelujah. Can I tell you we cannot forget that way of praising God and humbling ourselves before him. Make fun of that if you want, but I believe we ought to bow. 
before the Lord. Bow before him in worship. Bow before him in surrender. Surrender. Oh, isn't worship just to make me feel good? Isn't worship about, about having doodads run up and down my spine? Isn't no, sometimes worship is prostrate before him, humbling ourselves before him, surrendering ourselves before him, surrendering him. Hallelujah. I would to God that somebody would take a choice right now and say, I choose to humble myself before him in worship. I choose to bow before him. I choose today to say, God, my praise is not just going to be one, one note, but my praise is going to be multiple notes. My praise is going to be multiple ways of worshiping you and glorify your name. Glory be to God. The second Hebrew word that I want to bring to your attention in each of these could be a lesson within themselves is the word Shabbat. It means to address the Lord in a loud voice. Amen. To render praise and glory and triumph in a loud voice. Amen. To praise and commend to laud and praise the Lord to congratulate. Amen. To boast with a loud voice. When Israel would Shabbat before the Lord, they would lift up their voice and praise Him. They would glorify Him as the God of heaven. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. Loud voice. I realize that there is worship that can happen when it's quiet. I remember years ago when the Medora Pentecostal Church, I guess it was our praise team back then, we went to a denominal church in Seymour and we brought our drums. Anybody remember that? We brought our drums. And then I read the bulletin that said, at the first note of the organ, let a holy hush Go over the congregation. That was in that bulletin at that church. And here we come in. We're go- they ask us to come and sing. And so we bring our drums and we bring our bass and we bring our music and we bring our, our voices. And I thought, we sure enough ain't going to fulfill that today. I believe there's a time for a holy hush. I believe there's a time to barak before the Lord in reverence and respect and even in quietness. But there are times that your worship has to simply say, Lord, it's coming from my belly. It's coming from my gut. I'm not learning this because I've went to catechism or because I've went to some kind of school, but I learned it because of what I've been through. I've been through the prison. I've been through the fire. But all I know now is just simply, hallelujah. Hallelujah! Glory be to God! Oh, Mr. Pharisee and Mr. Sadducee, if that offends you and that hurts you and that you saying that's what I'm guilty of being a pest, then I agree. I admit worship is my choice. Praise the Lord loudly. In 2 Chronicles 30 and 21, and the children of Israel that were present in Jerusalem kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days and with gladness. And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord by day with loud instruments. Loud 
There's an appropriate time to be loud. There's an appropriate time to shabak before God with a loud praise. Hallelujah. Look at Psalms 117 and verse 1. Psalm 117 and 1. Oh, praise the Lord, all you nations, praise. That's the word shabak. Him, all you people, get loud, all you people. Amen. For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise. Shabak. Get loud. Uh, 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 ye. Praise the Lord. Get loud and praise to the Lord. Get loud and praise. When's the last time you let out a whole, an old East Texas? I'll say East Texas because that's where I'm from. But an old East Texas hog call. Woo! Praise God. As a man got the Holy Ghost, didn't know what to say when he was baptized with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He ran around the church and all he could say was, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog. Oh, but you're too, too sophisticated. We can't do that. We can't let that come out like that because we're, we're too prim and proper. We've got, we, we got everything just in order. We've got a new sanctuary. We need to be, behave ourselves. I'm telling you, I choose to worship however God puts it in my spirit. I want to work. And if that means letting out a whoop every now and then, I'm going to let out a whoop. I'm going to give God a praise. Hallelujah. Do you know, hallelujah, do you know the apostle Paul could do that because he had a Damascus moment with God. Amen, Pastor Dylan, I've had my Damascus moment with God. I've had the place where he revealed himself to me and pardoned me, but he gets down in my bones and gets in my spirit. Years ago, an evangelist, a young evangelist, went to preach at a church in Dallas. <clears throat> to this day, this guy's a firebrand. He's in his 70s now, but he just, just was much a firebrand. And I, I remember him preaching as a young boy, hearing him preaching. Man, he just would get with it. And he went to a church in Dallas, and he started getting with it. He started getting... Emotional, and he started getting demonstrative, and, and he started getting loud. And after the service, the pastor pulled him aside and said, uh, "Son, we don't act like that anymore. We don't do that anymore." And so, as a young man, he reverenced what that pastor had said, and he just quit, kind of died down, and and everything until Sunday. After the service on Sunday morning, the pastor said to him. I've got tickets for the Dallas Cowboys. Would you like to go? At first, the young evangelist didn't want to go, but he felt the Lord just dealing with him to go to the football game. What do you think about that? <laughs> On a Sunday. They got to the football game, and that young evangelist is sitting next to that pastor, and the Cowboys start, scored a touchdown. And you know what that old pastor did? He jumped to his feet and hooped, and hollered and shouted and clapped his hands and waved his arms. And that evangelist, seizing the moment, reached over and pulled his coattail and told him, said, I thought you didn't act like that anymore. 
I'm telling you, if they could paint their face and jump up and down and hoop and holler for a pigskin, how much more can I stand up and shout and give God praise, give him some crazy praise, give him some loud praise? Because he delivered me out of sin. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. He delivered me. He set me free. So, so for this I'm guilty. I choose, call me a heretic, but I'm part of a good group. <laughs> I'm part of a good group. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. The third word is the word that is interesting, and that is the word zamar. Zamar. Zamar is the Hebrew word that means to sing praise with the voice of a musical instrument, to play notes, to make music, to play music and singing as a sign of worship. In 1 Chronicles chapter 16 and 9 it says, Sing unto him, sing psalms, that is the word zamar, unto him, talk ye of all the wondrous works. David had just brought up the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem and placed it in, in, in the tabernacle tent. Amen. And he, was, he made a great feast for the people. He appointed certain Levites to minister before the Ark to sing and praise God. From in 1 Chronicles 16, verse 8 to 36, is an entire song that David's musicians are playing and singing, giving glory to God. Can I tell you that when, when, when the piano player, when Sister Carrie sits down here and begins to play this piano, she's not just playing a piano like some Billy Joel playing a piano. Amen. She's playing under the anointing of God and worship after every note, after every key that is being hit, it's worship. Amen. When our drummers sit back here and they begin to beat those drums every time they strike a cymbal, every time they beat a snare, every time they hit that kick. Amen. Can I tell you what they're doing? They're not just keeping rhythm. They're not just playing a musical instrument, but they're saying, God, I love you. God, I praise you. Lord, I worship you. Woo, when Brother David gets over here and hits that guitar. Hop up here, son. Hop up here. Praise be to God. I want you to give me a big, deep tone. And I want you to get a chord ready. And when I give you the signal, I want you to strike it. Strike it. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. It's the strike. Zamar literally means the striking of strings. The striking of strings. Can I tell you today, in a nightclub somewhere, somebody's got the same kind of guitar that David has that is playing. They, they got that strat loaded up with every kind of effect there can be. But there's something different about a child of God that says, I choose. I choose to take my strat and I choose to strike my string for the glory of God, for the honor of the king. Oh, give me a good...
I got a whole lot more I could preach, but just if I'd throw Brother Luke on the drums and Sister Carrie on the keyboard and Brother uh, Cole on the bass, we couldn't stand it in this place. Hallelujah. Maybe we'll get that ready in a minute. But I want to tell you, you've got to choose to be a part of the worship that says, I choose this kind of worship because I choose it because what God has done in me. Thank you. Praise God. I strike that string and I say, praise the Lord. There's a reason why Paul couldn't get or Saul, rather, King Saul could get no relief from ACDC. King Saul could get no relief from Led Zeppelin. Merle Haggard. Call in the latest man and let them play. But Saul could not get any relief from the demons that tormented him until he went and got somebody that knew how to Zalmar. And so he called for David, and David came and brought his guitar. He brought his harp, and he began to play, and it soothed the spirit, the evil spirit that is tormenting Saul. I want to tell you today, it matters what kind of music you put in your ears. It matters what kind of playlist you got on your iPhone and your iPod, your i this or whatever you got. Amen. But let it be that I'm listening to the voice of the Lord through the song that I sing, through the music that I listen to. The fourth word is the word tequila. I didn't say tequila. I said tequila. This works in concert with Zalmar. Tequila is to praise in a song. To sing a song in praise unto God. It speaks about singing a new song out of a new experience. The reason a lot of people have a hard time with singing a song is because they hadn't had a new experience in a long time. He'll bring you through. A new trial can bring you a new song. A new issue that you went through can bring you a new song. Songs are born out of tests and trials and then out of victories. Hallelujah. The Lord is awesome. Therefore, I need to sing unto the Lord. He should be praised. Can I give you some scriptures where this word Tehila is in? In Deuteronomy 10 and 21, he is thy praise. Tehila, he is thy song, and he is thy God that hath done for thee these great and awesome things which thy eyes have seen. Moses is reminding Israel about what God has done for them. When they came out of the Red Sea, what happened on the other side of the Red Sea? Miriam gave grand grabbed her tambourine and began to do what? Tehillah. Sing a song unto the Lord. Can I tell you some of the best songs I've ever sung are sung in the car or by myself. I'll make it up and I don't care if it makes sense to anybody. But he's brought me a mighty long way. I'm going to praise him. First Chronicles 16, 34. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. His mercy endureth forever. And say ye, save us God of our salvation. And gather us together and deliver us from the heathen. That we may give thanks to thy holy name and, in glory, and glory in thy 
praise. That word praise there is a worship song. Psalm 22 and 3. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. We often talk about, Lord, you inhabit the praises of your people. How many, how many... This is where that verse comes from. The Lord inhabits the praises. Go look that word praise up and you will find it is Tehillah. The Lord inhabits the singing of his people. That's why it matters when we come together here on, on a service night and we're worshiping and praising the Lord. The Lord begins to gather. He inhabits the songs of God's people. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Lord has been so good to me. I just want to sing him a new song. I'll sing an old song with a new experience. I'll sing sing where I've been and what I've been through. But praise be to God, I'll praise him with a song. We say this often as well. Psalm 104. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. You know what that means? It means that I'm to enter into his courts with a song. I'm to enter into his courts with a song. I know that there's people that love the blues. They love singing the blues, how bad it is, and it's old mournful. But I tell you what, it is hard to be down and out when you begin to sing a song of praise unto God. It's hard. Hallelujah. When you're feeling blue and you're feeling, oh, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He's healed my body. And he touched my mind. He saved me just in time. So what am I going to do? I'm going to praise his name. All of a sudden, my fear begins to go away when I begin to sing a song of victory, a song of praise, a song of power. Hallelujah. Right now, stand to your feet and give God praise. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated. Put up Psalm 147 and 1, if you would, please, Sister Shelley. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant and praise is comely. It is good to sing songs. Listen, look, look, look at that because. Where he says, it is good to sing songs. That's the word zamar. It is good to play an instrument in a song. And then it says, and it is pleasant and praise. And that is the word tehillah. It's comely. In Psalm 147 and 1, it's a sandwich of both music that is being played and a song that is being sung. Go ahead and not have music in your church. God bless you. Sing a cappella. But as for me, I want to have the, 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 the Holy Ghost to fall, not just on my song, but on the music as well. We don't need entertainers. 
Hear me, musicians. We don't need entertainers. Get better to glorify God. Get better to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Singers, we've got great talent here at MPC. Aren't you thankful for the good singers that God has blessed us with? Aren't you thankful for that? Hallelujah. But it's not about you and your pretty uh, uh, song and everything, but it's about Him. Get better singing praises unto God. Why? Because it's a choice that you make. Choice that you make. The fifth word I want to present to you is the word that is perhaps said the most and implied the most because it's the same word that means Judah, but it is the word yada, y a d a h. Yada means to use the hands, to hold out the hands physically in reverence and worship to God. Okay? Yada is used as a demonstrative verb with a Hebrew word as well that means an open hand indicating power, means, and direction. Yada means to hold out the hand to revere or worship with the hands extended. It, it, it further means, yada means to scoop out, to praise, or to throw. As an arrow or a stone at something. <laughs> I'd like to stay here all night on this. Amen. What you need and what I need is a big old barrel full of thanksgiving and praise and worship and glory to God and hallelujah. And we just reach into that barrel and we grab it with our hands and we scoop it unto the Lord. We just throw it up to him and give God praise. Hallelujah. When's the last time you scooped your best scoop to God? Oh, you might feel like you're at the bottom of the barrel. Can I tell you? Look a little bit further. You'll find that God's been good to you. He's blessed you. You got a good home. You got a good car. You got a good job. You got a good family. Whoop! Glory. Here I am. I'm just going to scoop some glory to God. I'm going to scoop some thanksgiving to God. I'm going to scoop some hallelujah to the Lord. He brought me from a mighty long way. It's my choice to yada. It's my choice. Hallelujah. When we lift our hands in yada toward God, we demonstrate our surrender of personal rights as well. Direction to you, O oh Lord. To you, O oh Lord. When we lift our hands, we demonstrate, amen, that we are surrendered to his power, his victory, and his deliverance. Oh, praise the name of Jesus. Somebody say, I will yada before the Lord. Closely resembling that, and I'm passing some scripture, Sister Shelley. I may go back to them. Just hold on. Number six is a word closely related to yada. It is the word toda. Toda comes from the same principal root as yada, but it is used in a more specific and different way. Toda means an extension of a hand in adoration, vowing, or acceptance. It is by way of application. It is apparent in the Psalms that, and elsewhere that when they would give thanks unto God, they would toda before the Lord. Now here, let me show you a little illustration. 
Amen. When someone in the Hebrew would yada before God, they would lift their hands and they would put their palms like this. Can you do that with me? Lift your hands and put your palm as if you are a funnel. Amen. Because when you yada before the Lord, you are saying, God, I receive. Lord, I receive. Not only am I sending glory, but I receive back to you. I receive what you've got for me. If you need something from the Lord, you ought to lift your hands and say, Lord, I worship you. And while I'm praising you with my hands like this, I'm receiving something right now. How many know that there are times that you're in the worship service and God has healed your mind and God has touched your body and God has blessed your finances while your hands are up and your palms are like a scoop that just simply say, Lord, pour it in. Pour it into me. Pour it into my family. Pour it into my life. I'll worship you. I want to say worship isn't all about a blessing, but sometimes the blessings come while you're worshiping God. Yada. But when a Hebrew would toda, they would take their palms and they would do this. You know what they're saying? Lord, in this instance of worship, I'm not looking for anything. I'm not here for a blessing. I'm not here because I'm empty, Lord, fill me. But just simply, Lord, here's my hands, and I'm going to praise you, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to give you thanks, and I'm going to give you glory, I'm going to give you honor, amen, because I, 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 it's, about, it's not just about where your hands are that makes a difference. It's about where your worship is. I'm not worshiping just to feel something. I'm just simply giving you glory, Lord, for where you brought me from, for how you've taken care of me. Hey, thank you, Lord. That's the way that I worship. That's the way that I worship. That's the way that I worship. You supplied my every need. Several years ago when we evangelized, we had a great revival in Hartville, Ohio. And God moved in a mighty way. One night we had a a two-week revival. And one night we baptized 12 people in the name of Jesus. And several received the Holy Ghost. One man that received the Holy Ghost had been seeking for a long time. And he came to the altar every night. And I got to noticing. Every night he came and he put his hands like this. And I preached something about this same thought. And I went up to him, brother, and I said, brother, listen. You're seeking the Holy Ghost. And blessing the Lord, that's great. I challenge you just simply flip your hands around and begin to thank him that you receive in the name of Jesus. And it was, it was incredible because almost instantly when he turned around, his attitude of faith shifted. And it was a matter of moments he began to praise God and started speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. I want to tell you, your attitude will reflect what you receive or what you give to God. Amen. It's a choice that you make. I choose to worship. You will find the last word. Musicians, come up. Praise team, come up. I don't need any draggy song tonight. Amen. I want something that thumps. Because I'm going to tell you the last word. Then we're going to turn you loose. We're going to worship together. But pastor, I don't feel it. It's not about feelings. It's about choice. I choose to worship. I choose to worship. I choose to worship. 
The last word is the Hebrew word halal. It's an interesting word. It is found quite frequently in Scripture. And it means to praise, to boast, to rave. And one Bible scholar interpreted like this, it means to be clamorously foolish. Crazy, if you please. Crazy. Oh, Pastor, you could have got all the way without getting to this crazy praise business. But there's sometimes when there's nothing you can do to lift your hands or sing a song, that's when it gets to that, woo! Woo! That's when you got that, 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 that bobby pins start popping and halal praise. Hair gets messed up and suit clothes get messed up and when you're just simply saying, I'm going to be all in crazy with this praise. It doesn't make sense. Your body is sick. Oh, y'all tune it up. Hold on just one second. I want you to hear this. When your body is sick, it's a good time to crazy praise. Right. When you need money, it's a good time to crazy praise. When you are down and out, it's a good time to crazy pays. It's a good time to just simply say, I'm going to halal before the Lord. You know what halal looks like? Let me read the scripture. Stand to your feet. Psalm 150. And verse 1. Every time you see the word praise in this chapter, it is the word halal. To boast. To rave. To be clamorously foolish. Oh, praise be to God. Amen. In Psalm 150 and verse 1, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Get crazy according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with a crazy praise on the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with a crazy praise on the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with string instruments and organs. Praise Him with a crazy praise on the loud cymbals. Hallelujah. Come on, Brother Luke. Give me a, a loud cymbal. Praise Him with a loud cymbal. Hallelujah. Praise Him on the high sounding cymbals. And then He said, here's the qualification for crazy praise. Let everything, let everything, let everything, let everything, let everything, let every person, let everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. I know I'm guilty, but I choose to worship Him with all is there any praisers in this house? Is there any crazy praisers in this house tonight? Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.